Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 146 of Justified Pursuit. It's great to be here. Riding shotgun, as always, the good counselor, Chisholm Cook. Look, you look uh, like refreshed. You have this, this uh, glow about you, my friend. I'm feeling at peace. That's good. Bringing you a twofer. Double double to yeah. close out October. Just like the Rangers closed out the Astros. Zinger. Meh. <laughs> you know, it would be so much better if you cared about sports. For See, that's, that's why it that's why it's awesome. Is you get all fired up and I get to play this, you know, this this holier than thou part and <laughs> and everybody loves it. If we were just two guys yelling at each other about sports, we'd be a talk radio show that was worth useless. Instead, I, think, I think there is magic in the formula. There's instead, no we're mixing religio, religious philosophical uh, contemplations into our sports fandom. Hmm. Well, my That's sports the, fandom, your just observance, casual through the box score. Fair. Um, That's so, the depth that you get at Justified Pursuit. It's funny Pursuit. because last show earlier this week it turned into this conversation about hate and like the idea that and i was talking to my wife about it yesterday like i was like aaron you know i don't really hate the astros i don't wish I ill don't. will on the midget jose altuve i hope he has a wonderful life uh so but i but bet he does the, the conversation well yeah, yeah i mean people a lot of cheaters sleep well at night it's fine he might be one of them uh but it got me thinking about the word hate in my own life, and I've decided to try not to use it. I think that would be for, a great idea, bro. For two reasons. Because it's misleading. Because the things I say I hate, I don't really hate. There say are, what you mean. Right. And secondly, I don't want my kids to. Like, Henry woke up after watching the Ranger game because, you know, it ended at 10 o'clock. And I woke him up. And he's like, oh, I hate school. I don't want to go to school. I'm like... My initial reaction was like, well, yeah, at your age, I hated school too. Maybe I really did hate it. I don't know. But I don't want him to say that word any more than I, you know. Why is he saying it? Well, it's probably because his dad says that word regularly. So maybe it's not the best word. Yep. I, I, don't, I, mean, I think my parents I really told me the same it. thing. I really meant it yesterday when we recorded that, that I don't have any room in my heart for hatred of a sports team. But beyond that, really of anybody, man, I can have strong opinions and strong beliefs and I can, um, you know, stand on God's word and conviction about certain things. And that doesn't mean I hate any of these things. And I, and I shouldn't, I think. What is the word hate? hate, hate, What does the word hate really mean? Like what is describe it? What does it mean to you? Because to me, it's just a crutch. I'm like, eh, I really hate the Astros. Well, does do I have hate in my heart for them? No, I I don't. Like, they're just my rival, my enemy. Yeah. Um. I mean, according to I guess uh, the first hit on Google, feel feeling of intense or passionate dislike. Mm. Um, I definitely have that emotional okay, aversion, often coupled with enmity or malice. I like that definition okay. way better. That first one was bland, milk toast. So garbage. to me, it's like, well, okay, malice. Hey, I hope the Astros plane crashes. That would be like malice and hate, which I 
So I don't, I've never had that in my heart for any rival, you know, or team that I dislike or player that I dislike. I don't even want, like, would we be better off if Joe Biden died? Yeah, of course. Take Ill will, them, loathing. I don't hate him. Sorry. Ill will, loathing, despising. I think the term malice has got to, for Ill me, will. you asked yeah. ask me a question I didn't know the answer to, because it's really funny how sometimes it's really hard to define a word. Mm-hmm. Um, I always go to the dictionary. It's also really funny how many how many dictionaries we have these days and how varied all of the uh, um, definitions are. Of course, then there's also the whole 1984 thing where they keep changing the definition of words. Right. But I think the term malice, having you know, you know, wishing ill. Yeah. Uh, that if you're asking me my definition of hate, it includes those concepts. Okay, it goes so far I don't, beyond a dislike. It goes far beyond just a strong dislike. That is, yeah. I could say, strongly dislike. That's what I have. Strong dislike for these, the rivals of my sports teams and 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 even yeah. politicians. But I don't wish ill will on them. I don't have malice. I don't feel the, this rage inside of me when I am speaking about these things. So at the end of the day, I'm misusing the term. I think I. So I why, I, so why, I knew why that when it? we were talking about it. What? So I'm going to try not to use that. And I'm probably going to say it on the show again in the near future. But you know what? We've been able to curtail our co- cursing from... I mean, if someone was to go back and listen to episode five, you might hear seven to ten F-bombs. No, nah, I think we really way. broke loose a good bit after that. We were a ways in before I dropped the first F-bomb. And then we got... Oh. I think loose enough that I ran off an aunt and uncle on the, on the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you went there because I was about to say... Good luck trying to rein in hate because I've been trying to rein in the f bomb for quite some time and I'm still struggling. But isn't the first struggling. step being cognizant of that? Like, I, I yeah, know I, I should, know it every time I'm, it comes out. Now that helps, yeah. sure. Yeah. But in, I would say as a kid, I was like, we don't in the house, we don't say that word. And then you, and it's just like swearing. You know, I didn't swear in front of my parents. I probably didn't even learn how to swear until high school. And then it's just commonplace, and that's kind of how that word has become. For me, it's a crutch that's being used, first of all, inappropriately, and it's a bad example for my kids. So it's got to go. At least got to make an effort. So that's what I'm going to do. And also, I read the Bible to Henry last night, uh, and I told Aaron in that same conversation, and I said, and we're going to start reading the Bible more Good. before we put the kids to bed. Not just saying the prayers. because We're going to invest because we're not going to mail it in. It's too important. So we re- I read Henry, I think it was Pat John 8. And I had I didn't even know what I was gonna read to him. I was just like, We're gonna read your Bible tonight. What book do you want? He was like, How about John? I said, Okay. And I just turned to John eight and saw I was like, Well, I'm familiar with Jesus healing the blind man, so let's read that one. And, and there was no point to reading that passage. It was that we're investing in the Bible. Here's a story that I don't even know if Henry had heard before, but he's heard it now. And he thought it was pretty cool that Jesus made a blind man see. Yeah. So, anyway, I mean, that, that I we're do, do that. those things. I could. We could do a whole. We could do a whole episode about the importance of those gifts, um, the gift of healing, uh, the power of healing. You, you know, like there are probably people who are listening to this who call themselves Christians or you know believe in God on some level who question whether or not uh, miracles still happen. Maybe question whether or not they ever did. But I can assure you. They absolutely do. God and still do. God created the whole universe. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, 
period. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you need some healing for somebody, pray for it. And, and, you know, don't be so worldly that if, you know, say a tumor that you have a 5% chance of surviving is able to be overcome by modern medicine. Don't think that's still not God, right? Because God put the people in the world and gave them the gifts and skills to pursue the knowledge that created that, you know? Mm -hmm. But he he can also just make it go away, and that's happened. It's absolutely happened. No doubt. Um, So shifting gears here, I just wanted to, you know, clear the air on that and, and think back of how and, and why we started the show is because you and I just talk through these things anyway, right? Like whether we were on a hunt or on a phone call or whatever, we were already discussing these things. Uh, and those conversations that you have with good friends, uh, I think certainly can lead you to the realization like, oh, I need to do this differently in my life. Self-reflection time. So anyway, justified, justified pursuit, pursuit yeah. in and of itself, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, we dude, talked I, to-, to your point, man, like, you know, we, we try to keep our faith central to our conversations. You know, we lean in much harder sometimes than others, just based on how I would say the Holy Spirit guides our conversations. Um, but to your point, man, I, one of the most profound and obvious ways that God speaks to me all the time is through other people Mm -hmm. and through the conversations that I have every day with other believers. And so any of you who are wondering, like, I don't ever hear God talking to me when somebody says something that hits you in your soul, like it's true and it changes your whole perspective of everything. Just trust, have faith. Just have faith that that was God working through that person to put your life in a whole new direction. Mm. Shifting gears here. We talked about uh, how Jim Jordan... How hard of a shift are we looking at? Are we going to grind some gears? We have lots of political stuff to get into today. And we talked about how Jim Jordan, the people's champion, was blackballed by his own party. I just thought maybe you'd throw out there like transgender terrorist immigrants or something like that make a real hard like <laughs> no i was gonna say so mike johnson this representative from louisiana apparently is now going to be speaker of the house did he get elected is it done that's that's what i read today yay i, I don't know nothing about this guy other than he gets f ratings on ukraine funding which is good for, no that's good oh, for us oh oh yeah, is good okay cool yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no perfect he gets F ratings on big government. Good for us. Um, and is, are we, where are you looking? Are we sure that you're interpreting this data correctly? Like, yes, dude, like F ratings. So following the F rating, it was, by the way, McCarthy voted for it every time he voted against it every time. So, okay. Whoever was giving the ratings was saying he's, it was probably Rhino cucks, their rating system. So anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess my point is like, depending on who produced the rating system, he, you know, uh, somebody like Rand Paul is probably getting an F rating on gun control, hmm. right? But if, if it's coming from the NRA, he would get an A plus, right? Yeah, right. Anyway, 
So anyway, he seems like a great choice. If he's not following, him. if he's not following uh, McCarthy, McCarthy on Ukraine funding, then yes, he must be. At least he has to date been on the right side of these things. But let's all keep in mind: once you're the Speaker of the House, a whole new pipeline of cash becomes available. Mm. You got to be one badass, convicted feet c- cemented to the ground mother mother <laughs> right to stand withstand the cash cannon that will be coming your way um well we'll pray for him we have to you, i prayed this morning that god raise hope. up some new leaders i sure hope he's one of them hope 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 and i'm always like there is no hope with these group but hey you know what it's the same thing as voting. There's only two choices. This guy's, I hope, and it seems like is going to be better than McCarthy. So, um, RFK Jr. is screwing things up. Okay. How? Well, remember when Ross Perot ran as an independent? Meh. It's going to happen, dude. I'm prediction time. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to, if they stick with Joe Biden, mm-hmm. I sincerely don't believe that we end up with the exact same situation that you're describing. I think he poaches as many or more away from Biden as he does from Trump or whoever. I don't know. Historically, when an independent gets a substantial amount of the vote, it, it can only be like 8%, but it usually sways an election in favor of Democrats. And I've when does it happen ways- besides Perot? I don't know. Isn't that well? That's historically. I don't know what. Well, I, but I, I mean, I okay. But you're throwing out there historically as though it's happened a bunch of times, and I, I don't know if that's true. But I know Let's that Ross up. Perot was a conservative. Yeah, libertarian. but but he yeah, but he cost us the election. I mean, yeah, no. Was, but my point is, he was a conservative libertarian who was bringing up big government spending, so it would be foreseeable that he would poach from the Republican, where JF RFK is part of the single most you know what's the word i'm looking for i mean he's basically democrat royalty right black sheep royalty for sure but that dude's a democrat he's a big government democrat oh, dude, dude. I'm, I'm looking it up right now so your favorite president of all time woodrow wilson uh he only won because teddy roosevelt ran as an independent against uh let's see uh taft taft and yeah. taft was the republican yeah. teddy roosevelt ran as an independent and they split the they split the republican vote and let woodrow wilson win uh oh okay well so there's one other one and then it goes straight to 1992 george bush versus bill clinton and ross perot so it's twice yeah so you man no, fair this bit. one says al gore versus george bush 2000 ralph nader and the green party earned votes there's always somebody who owns some third-party votes, but it's not like Ralph Nader. I don't think yeah, he ever made a bit debate stage like Perot did, did he? He wasn't significant, no. Right. Was I actually do remember? I mean, that was when we were what? Yeah. Our, so, uh, so, so I would make the same argument, team. you know. So, okay, I'll grant the vote. fact that was the first election we could vote in. 2000. I'll grant the fact that that the Ralph Nader giving potentially the nomination to Bush would be weak enough to not consider it 
my point remains the only two times it's ever happened it's been a conservative quote unquote that split the conservative ticket so so okay. you know teddy roosevelt so was a republican yeah. right? right arguably he was half as progressive as woodrow wilson was but he was at least a republican right so yeah he stole votes from Taft, or yeah, Taft, the mm-hmm. other Republican. Here, you have a lifelong Democrat, son of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., nephew of JFK. What would he be? The I, I get it, but my fear is this: the folks who've been on the fence and be like, "We can't stand Biden. We can't. We're thinking about Trump." No, no, no. Oh, here's the savior. The ones that work okay, going to come. Look at dude. If he's polling it, look at what he's polling at in his own. Your party. prediction is he's going to split the Democrat vote. He's polling fifteen. He's pulling fifteen percent of the Democrat vote already. If he swiped ten percent of the Democrat vote, how much would he have to take the, from the Republican vote to sink the Republicans? Mm. He had to at least do that, right? He was so running as a Democrat until what a month ago? Not even a month ago. I'm surprised we haven't talked about this already. But so you're not concerned with him running as an independent? No, I'm not. Um, Because to be frank, (laughs) be frank, am I concerned about this at all? Well, let me let me put it to you this way: Would you be more concerned about the Democrats winning if he was the Democratic nominee? If if RFK was a Democratic nominee, yeah, I don't particularly like him. Um, certainly not as much as I would like a true principled and convicted conservative. And I don't know that I entirely lump Trump into any of those categories. Right. Um, but is he better than anything else we've seen from the Democrats since can't frankly, since Bill Clinton in his second term? Yeah. But do you think he would beat Trump in a fair election? If it was RFK, boy, would you imagine? Could you imagine how much money the media would make off of those two? Man, I think it's a coin flip. I, yeah. I I can argue both sides all day long. I think that there will be a sizable, probably majority of of Democrats that even by this time next year, no matter how many um, myocarditis heart attacks have happened among twenty two year old young men will still be adamantly convinced that everything that was done in the name of COVID was right and righteous and everybody who's against it is an evil anti-science denier. Um, True believers, etc. So I would think that his unpopularity with the Democrat base would exceed Trump's unpopularity with the Republican um, anti-Trumpers. I think there are more Democrats who couldn't get down with RFK's brands of conspiracy theories than there are anti-Trumpers. So I'd probably mm, give the I don't know Trump. if I agree with that. There's too many women that just can't get there to see Trump as a misogynist pig. Yeah. Whose husbands but, probably vote conservative, but they can't bring themselves to do it. How many of those do you think have been brainwashed to think that RFK Jr. How many of those a... are getting divorced is the better question. <laughs> I love that point. How many of those do you think think that RFK Jr. is Husbands a... Husband's like, I've, honey, I just... I, you're insane. 
You've lost it. Sorry. We got to do better for our kids. Second, uh, just this isn't going to work out. I bet a lot of those same women think that he's a uh, he's actually QAnon himself, RFK mm. Jr. Yeah. Um. So we hit on the hundred million dollar Ukraine Israel package, so that the rich can get richer. Uh, wanted to play you a little audio of that. What is your thought? What are your thoughts on Lindsey Graham, Senator Graham? <laughs> Have I not made them clear? <laughs> well, I guess we didn't need to. I think he's the ultimate warmonger. Um, I, dude, like, I, how do I? Um, I think that since John McCain died, when it was he, when they were both alive, they were the two most rock solid warmongering politicians in America. And that somehow he took all of McCain's powers and he has become a force for death and destruction. So you like him a lot. Perfect. Um, sure. Big so fan. they had a... Uh, Lady G. You know, they had a, a meeting where, I guess, a press release or uh, they were taking questions at this press briefing. And... One of the reporters who happens to be um, Jewish American was like, why is, essentially, why is the squad, members of the squad, why are they leaving anti-Semitic posts up and tweeting anti-Semitic things? And why is, why are you, the elect elected, uh, you know, representatives of our country allowing them to do it? So, Lindsay lost his ass. And that a lot. Yeah, well, he, he... I want to say thank you for yeah. being here. My family lives here. I made Aliyah two years ago. So this is personal. I know many people were sent from the United States and there's international press from around the world. And I heard every single one of you voicing your support for Israel fervently, stridently. And, and I heard that and I received that into my heart. And so on behalf of my family and, and people, I'm, I'm an American and an Israeli citizen, I say thank you. But it starts at home. And I'd like to ask any Democrat senator here that would like to speak to Rashida Tlaib. She still has a tweet up condemning Israel for a hospital attack. We are here together. Proven to be misinformation. Not to talk about the problems at home, which are many. It's a fair I've question, I've got my senator. own view of what to say. You're but not going to screw this up. I'm not trying to screw it Get up. Get this guy out of here. Now, let I me live tell here. You. I'm an Israeli. I want an answer to the question. Please. I'm an American. And I am too. And I believe in free speech. I don't believe what the squad has to say Thank at you. all. But I came here with Democrats and Republicans to let everybody in the world know, don't judge every Democrat by the squad and don't judge every Republican by some of the things you hear. Where the, where the House... No comment. Yeah, for the House, they'll get their act together, but we need to do our job. We need to do our job in the Senate. We need to pass a bill that will help Israel, help Ukraine. That's at least what I think. I think the House will show up. And I'm sorry, my friend, I probably shouldn't have said it, but my nerves are raw right now. Thoughts on that? I liked, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, there was a fair amount in there that I agreed with. Mm -hmm. um, I talk about Graham the way I did earlier often but I also will say that he has very he has taken stands at times that I would applaud 
Um, like the day he said in one of the Trump, you know, derangement hearings early on that they want power and he prays he never gets it. Hmm. Um, that was a pretty awesome stand he took, but, uh, He's I like that he know, said I like the first amendment, you know, I believe in the first amendment. Okay. Right. I mean, that was the first thing I thought when we were talking about maybe potentially muzzling the squad, it's like, let them speak. I've said that forever. Let them speak. Let bad ideas get overwhelmed by good ideas, man. Like that's, that is the nature of this society. The um, squad, I, I, I viewed the squad as a threat. I don't, I don't longer do. I think they're doing more harm to their party. Agreed. Then good. Yeah, hundred percent agree with you. And and I think he kind of touches on that when he's like, Mm -hmm. "Don't judge all Democrats by those yahoos." Now, I would say that the party has been pulled far closer to them than uh, is obviously healthy for America. But well, he's right on both sides for that too, right? It's because they're going to eat their own. And if you, I I would say that most of the Democratic politicians in Congress do not agree with the majority of the squad stakes. But you know what? They can't say that they don't agree with it. That's what I'm saying. They have yeah. been pulled that way such that they've been muzzled, not that they necessarily are going to vote mm-hmm. that way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just look, at, I, I go back to what we talked about a little while back about the the way that Nancy Pelosi could rule the whole conference with an iron fist. She put a muzzle on those people yep. for the most part. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's got, she pulled, oh, she pulled, um, AOC so far her direction she gets booed when she goes home to New York by her fellow socialists you know yeah it's true yeah so you brought up uh we were talking about um Crowder and you brought up Jeremy who's I guess the financial backing of that whole deal Mm mm-hmm uh, ben Shapiro's outfit. I think it stands on its own pretty well now, but he was the financial backing. Yeah. So it, that dude had something funny. Jeremy's came out with their own Halloween chocolate. Did you see that? Uh, no, but he keeps doing it. I mean, there's all kinds it's of called, stuff now. It's called uh, he, him with nuts and she, her nutless. Yeah, it's pretty great. I saw, I, I actually tried to order it. I was going to, uh, pass it out for Halloween, but it wasn't guaranteed to get here in time, so I didn't. But I thought that would be pretty awesome if uh, the children's showed back up at home with the anti woke chocolates. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, you'll love this too. So it's uh, he, him. Look, look at the it's labeled microaggression style. <laughs> uh, they're using our phrase, we should have. Should have yeah. trademarked unwoke a long time ago. Uh-huh. Um, I got to play this for you. Too. I, let me say real quick on those guys. Um, I want to make sure that it's clear that I'm not saying the Daily Wire isn't doing good work on behalf of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, in most instances, probably also in behalf of God. Um, I'm just saying they are still a for-profit outfit, and conflict and emotions are good for business on the right just as well as they are on the left no doubt well this wasn't good for this dude and i told you before our chat that we have a post on our justified pursuit page which you don't have because you don't have instagram anymore uh but we typically get i don't know 15 20 likes on a post (laughs) like maybe three comments not very good 
this one, dude, we have is mind blowing. We have five hundred and forty, basically fifty five hundred likes and eight hundred and ninety three comments. So I got to play the thing for you because it's got eight hundred ninety three comments on it. Comments, dude. Comments. So what's our subscribership up to now? Three hundred seventy three. How's that even work? I don't know. Uh, But yeah, so what's happening in the Middle East is terrible. War is terrible, right? Except for people that are lining their pockets. It's good for them. It's uh, the atrocities that both sides are committing against each other are unspeakable. But here's the thing. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Unfortunately, all these people celebrating when Hamas attacked Israel didn't really come to grips with the fact that there were going to be repercussions. And this is uh, this dude here. He's watching rockets fly from Gaza into Israel. Now he's at a hospital. You can hear the monitors in the background. He's literally at the hospital crying his eyes out. Why? Just they bombed him back. He's cheering oh. the rockets flying into Israel. When the rockets come back, he changes his tune. Hmm. No more Allah Akba. I started to read the comments, but now that there's 900, I just gave up. Yeah. Who's got time Very for that? Very tense, though. Very tense. But um, the point was, you don't get to have your cake and eat it, too. You cheer when innocent people are being killed by your side. Well, this is the reality. This is how war works. Yeah, I mean... Okay. Good job on the post, I guess. It's got some yeah. traction. I didn't. I just don't understand how the math works. But that's... what's going to happen? What it, are we on the precipice of World War Three? I think we're in it. Okay. Look back at the histories of World War One and Two, and look at how much consternation and debate there was for decades after each about when the war started. And then think back to how this all started and watch as every little regional microaggression turns into a macroaggression. 30 years down the road, I have a feeling if we're still here, I mean like humans, not you Mm -hmm. and me, that there will have been a lot of debate about when exactly did World War III start. What happens with this conflict, Israel Palestine. Well, um, do you have on your run sheet the idea that you that Iran may have uh, attacked some sort of U.S. forces? I saw that for the first time yesterday. But it's been why walked it, back, if I'm not mistaken, right? And clarified I seen and downplayed, out, and like major news outlets clearly are not throwing that out there. Yeah, um, my certainly my hope is that like every other Israeli you know, Palestinian conflict for certainly all of, all of our lifetimes. It doesn't last much longer and they agree to a ceasefire and they all go back to being quiet and um, waiting for the next time a bunch of lop rockets start getting shot off. Um, but if Iran and 
I think I've seen where even Egypt's having to deny any involvement. Jordan, Libya, et cetera, et cetera, all continue to dogpile on. Um, the more combatants jump in, the less likely it is to stop. Hmm. Uh, I had that KJP anti-Semitism clip. I don't think I'm going to play it. I mentioned it last week, but very quick to just totally dismiss anti-Semitism in America. Is that surprising to you? Well, then this will take us to what Bill Maher said. Uh, but it seems like it seems like there's a demographic of people, let's say 18 to 25, that are extremely misguided on this thing and just voicing unadulterated support for Palestine. I'm not supporting either one. I, you know, biblically, we talked about last week, the Holy Land is promised to the Jews, but at the same time, Muslims occupied it for a long time. And then they felt like after World War II, they were kicked out of what was rightfully theirs. So I don't know. Um, I guess if there was a a demographic that was going to be extremely misguided, it would be these overeducated young adults and and not overeducated, indoctrinated. You know, it's funny, man. I've thought about this thing just yesterday. Um, when I was in my early twenties, you know, like right about the time I was getting ready to vote for Barack Obama. Um, I was making the argument to my parents that, that, that Israel is no less a terrorist state than Palestine slash Hamas or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, they've been planted in a place where nobody wants them and they've got one of the baddest military forces in the world supported by the biggest and baddest military force in the history of time. And why would anybody not expect that to create problems? And I was trying to think yesterday, like, where did I get that? Um, as I said it, uh, the only part I think I'd fully walk back is the terrorist part. The rest is certainly arguable. (laughs) Hmm. Um, as I said, said in our last call, though, I, I believe Israel should exist because I believe it's God's will, um, as just simply evidenced by the, by the fact that it does, regardless of who created it, right? I mean, I've been saying the United Kingdom created it. Well, the reality is maybe that was how who God used to restore his chosen people to the chosen land or the promised land. Um But I, I don't remember like a, a professor ever, ever in my, you know, undergraduate or, you know, certainly legal education mention Israel-Palestine. I was certainly watching a lot of the news at the time, so my assumption is I was being nudged that way back in a time when I more or less, but when I basically trusted the news was telling me the truth. Right. Um. I think that certainly the fact that these kids are being groomed to focus on the idea of colonization. If nobody knows what we're talking about, just look at all of the the marching with the pro-Palestine flags. It's all young people. And a lot of it's occurring on college campuses. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think they're being groomed to fight against quote colonization. And and they believe that Israel has been colonizing Palestine. Um, they're not maybe entirely wrong. Um, just looking at it agnostically as a statement. Um, and colonizers are the real enemy, the real devil, according to the Marxist, the modern Marxist, right? So, I mean, that's why, you know, they feel like America itself is evil at its roots, but you know, at the same time in my life, I was arguing that going over and fighting endless 20 year wars on terror is just making new terrorists. And I ain't backing down from that one. Nope. Um, but I have a feeling that they've gone beyond just like allowing these kids to draw their own conclusions to it, to, you know, there are for sure, um, there are for sure professors and educators who are, um, you know, taking up this cause. What's the word I'm looking for Dude, there? We talked about Activists. how the one teacher told all the Jewish kids to go stand in the corner. Right. And my point is, I don't recall that ever happening in my entire education, yet somehow I was coming up with something, some one, some sort of similar conclusion. But I certainly never said that the Jews all deserve to die for it, even then, right? Like, I did not say that. I think I was taking sort of a both sides pragmatic approach of like, how, you know, where do we decide to make our, you know, who do we decide is, quote, right? But kind of more importantly, like, why is it any of our damn business? I was starting to head towards Ron Paul, which was, how about we pull back all of our military from everywhere in the world and just defend our own country? And oh, we can start with the border. That, exactly. So anyway. There's no money um, in that, though. I don't know. I can point to a couple of overt things that professors said that I would say were activists. Um, but for the most part, it just feels like until you wake up and the scales fall from your eyes and you realize that there is a system out there that is uniform, pervasive, and ubiquitous designed to groom how you think, you're stuck in it. Right? If I was being groomed at Baylor or North Texas, I never caught on to it. I don't know, but I, I yeah. Well, it, for you, it didn't work at all. For me, it had, had an impact well, for a long time. From when I transferred to North Texas, dude, I was going to. There were actual multiple times where I showed up in class in my waders, where I came straight from duck hunting. Do you think like, oh, we're going to indoctrinate that guy, <laughs> like with camo on my face? And at the time, Denton certainly wasn't as woke as say Austin, but it was referred to as Mini Austin. And uh, these, the look on some of these kids' faces when I walked in wearing that and keep in mind i was also older than all of them i was 22 at the time after i transferred and a lot of these kids are 18 19 years old there's a huge difference between 18 years old freshman in college and 21 to 22 23 years old massive absolutely dude what you can learn what how, there's also how a huge I difference from 22 like, 23 years old to 33 years old man and then another huge sure. difference from 33 to 42 like Dude, I mean, I'm but not. I don't know. Like, I'm not my the same view at the time. Did I dismiss the indoctrination, or did I not notice it, or was it just, I, maybe they weren't doing it to the scale. Obviously, not to the scale they're doing it now. But 
I mean, I think that Baylor, especially, dude, to the extent there was any sort of slant, it was mostly coming from the other direction. Right. Right. Now, that being said, I've always been a contrarian. Like, God made me that way. I am a contrarian. If you're trying to tell me one thing, I've always been, again, I guess, aside from this, you know, brief stint where I became like interested in the news, because I didn't watch the news really at all until or until my early 20s. I mean, I didn't pay any attention to news when I was in college at all, right? I watched sports, right. played video games, drank too much. 9-11, right? Hurricane Katrina, those were like two massive things where I was like, I got to watch the news for like a while, like for a couple weeks, you know? Yeah, I well, I mean... And then, and then I wasn't again as a young man. Right. And the first one, of course seemed to have brought the nation together mm-hmm. and uniform unified us all for a common cause of, Hey, let's go to war. Right. Right. And the second one was just a horrible tragedy. And, <clears throat> um, hard to your point, the, the universe, the Baylor university at the time was not woke and it was not projecting woke values. Um, you know, the biggest like pr- political thing i ever remember then was do you remember the day they put like 20 something foot like placards up in the middle of whichever mall the you know open space that were uh abortion like aborted fetuses so you could Mm -hmm. see in literally like 20 foot tall images what a fetus looked like Mm -mm. this is a huge anti-abortion um uh you know advocacy campaign mm-hmm. literally right in the middle of campus one day I, you know i just remember looking at it thinking why is that there like what what are we doing you know um i guess my point is uh, dude okay you can go back to i think it was churchill right that said if you're if you're young and conservative you have no heart and if you're old and and liberal you have no brain right young people are wired this way already it doesn't take a whole lot of propaganda to pull them that direction. The young conservative is truly an, an anomaly. The problem is nowadays they've leaned in so hard on it that they're implanting horribly, hor- you know, horrible, destructive ideas. Right. But that's the way the vast majority of young kids are already wired, you know, is towards the big bleeding heart. And that's how you, they get manipulated. By, I feel as we- blessed that I did not grow up. 20 years later than I did because I wasn't, I mean, I guess at my core, yeah, I, I was a conservative, but I didn't even know what, what I was. I just, I, it just was who I was, I guess. Maybe it's because my parents, the Christian values, number one, but we didn't have all of this stuff being forced down our throats to the degree that kids today do, do, do today. Well, and let me say this, that's where it starts. Right. Um, I'm fairly confident right now that none of my four daughters are going to get indoctrinated by anything when they get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to get pulled. They're going to get swayed. They're going to have moments where they question. But I believe there's a passage that says something like, you know, if you lay a foundation uh, for a child, they will always return to it. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Mm hmm. My kids' faith is rock solid. 
I've made them aware of what's happening. I don't, I don't hesitate to share with them what's happening in this world and show them the hypocrisy of it and explain to them the ideology of it and explain it from the other side's perspective so that they can understand it and then stand on truth and thwarting it, right? That didn't happen in my house growing up. My parents never talked about politics in my house growing up. I don't think they paid enough attention to it to have been able to. In fact, I, in fact, I say, I know they didn't. My parents have been on a similar journey in the last decade to what you and I have been on. They have become either more informed or misinformed, depending on which one we're talking about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, well, both of them have been a little bit of both, to be fair. Um we just didn't have those conversations. I don't, and I think by and large, it's because they didn't pay any attention to it, you know? And, you know, it was in a lot of ways, thankfully at the time, a different world, but they also, they took us to church, but man, we didn't talk about faith at home to speak of, not in any like philosophical, you know, existential theological like depth, hmm. you know? And there wasn't crazy stuff like, claims that boys and girls don't exist going on. So maybe they didn't feel the need to, they were like, we're going to church and we pray sometimes and my kids believe in God. So we're good. Right. Yeah. I don't think we, yeah, we didn't, we did talk about faith and in, in a lot, like to the point yeah. where by the time I was in college, it had pushed me away, you know, realistically, like go to church three times a week, you go to a Christian school, yeah. you have, you know, the Bible front to back. And then, I rebelled for a while, but I never abandoned it. You know, I never renounced the fact that I believe Jesus was my person. I got caught up in the world. We'll just leave it at that. Like I was living a worldly life and still struggle with some of those things today. But, um, but I, yeah, we, we didn't have to have those conversations about, Hey, you know, if you, if you have a penis, you, have you ever thought you might be a girl and your parents having to protect you from that? Like we are now having to do with our kids and you can't protect them, but you can educate them. You could tell them what's true and what's right and what's based in faith. I don't know, but I would like to know if, if it was possible to, 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 you know, watch it in some sort of alternate, uh, alternative dimension viewfinder, what I would have been like if I had gone to Texas um, cause like I said, I'm a contrarian. So I, f- I think if I had gone to Texas steeped in lefty ideology mm-hmm. that it would have pushed me further to the center or right. But I can't say that for sure. I can say I was talking to a friend of mine just Friday night about this. Our senior, my senior year living with Chris and Clay Chris and I used to actually have all kinds of discussions about politics, well, more religion and and philosophy, right? And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, talking about Olaf, obviously. Um, and, you know, there was an, I guess there was enough realization of the world at the time where I remember very distinctly that year telling him, I want to lead a chauvinist revolution. So something was piercing through my consciousness that had me aware that manhood was under attack and I didn't like it. I was joking when I spoke of leading a quote chauvinist revolution, but at the same time it was based in reality and my feelings about what was happening. Well, fast forward two decades and I know a chauvinist revolution sounds pretty damn good to me. I know. I know. And not 
and only because they have made masculinity toxic it has not i'm not saying make me a sandwich aaron or anything like that not although it'd be nice I always take I'll a sandwich have, i like bacon i'll make I'll you make one we can yeah. trade anyway um <clears throat> uh, yeah so like i men said need to be men we talk about it all the time like what i did one of the underlying themes of the show you know so i go through law school and i probably faced a good bit more indoctrination then um, although again, it would be really subtle because it was nudging in directions about what the law should be for and what the government should be for, right? So many law professors are, you know, they're the experts on the matter, right? And then and, and law and the government are so intertwined that they're almost inseparable, right? And you specifically you take classes about what like constitutional law, which is the government itself. The constitution is supposed to be the government, right? And you take classes about what the government can do under the constitution as you move forward in school, like classes about administrative law and sort of that sort of thing. Right. And, you know, very few of the professors that I ever had took a stand and said, the government's gotten way too big and it's against the constitution. In fact, my con law professor for sure himself was a big old lefty. Mm-hmm. Right. I can say in retrospect. So like when I got out of there it was 2017, Obama got elected. I think that next year, Oh eight. No, 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 no. Not twenty. Took office in oh seven. I'm sorry. Two thousand seven. Yeah. I meant oh seven. I graduated law school in oh seven. Mm-hmm. He got elected in oh eight. Took office in oh nine. Right. Correct. The year I got <laughs> married and got laid off when the economy went in the crapper. Mm. He um. He would you know would say all the right things and the media loved him and I was buying that sort of stuff but at the same time I was working at a state environmental agency and quickly quickly realizing that big government is wasteful right and and i wasn't down with the idea that there was such a thing as toxic masculinity but i also had a lot more compassion for the arguments that the left makes on oppression and all that sort of stuff right and so i mean it wasn't until i started listening to podcasts in 2015 probably when we were getting ready for that first elk hunt, I think that my first podcasts were looking for information about elk hunting. Hmm. I so remember my the first, first podcast. time you told me about it. We were sitting in we were sitting uh, in the Texas Hill Country hunting turkeys, and you—that's the first time I ever heard you mention podcast and Ben Shapiro and. Yeah. Right. So. 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 From starting, isn't that funny, dude? Remember, you. You know, and we probably don't have time I was for like, it. Maybe podcast. I don't even. I, said, I don't listen to podcast. I, I do. I host one for a living, but I don't listen to any of. I don't know who Ben Shapiro is for sure. Well, dude. Okay, so you know better than anybody that that hunt represented for me a moment where I decided I'm going to get closer to God so I can be a better man, husband, and father. Right. Mm-hmm. I w- that hunt 100%. was a challenge that I needed in my life that would require me to focus to be mentally stronger, spiritually sp- stronger. I started praying every day. I fell off that wagon for a good long while. I'm thankfully been back on it for two years and it'll, I'll never fall away again. Um, started exercising, built my body, built my mind. Right. But it was a spiritual endeavor the whole way. It was absolutely not about killing an elk and it never was. Right. And then, you know, got introduced to wild at heart, which crystallized the whole concept for me. But my point is, I never really even think I realized it until I'm saying it right now that that's when I discovered podcasts looking for information about going on a Western elk hunt. And I was listening to what used to be called the Gritty Bowman podcast, right? And Hmm. 
<clears throat> what's his name and Aaron Snyder, right? And you know, from there, they talked a lot about Joe Rogan, right? And and that that was this, that was the start. I think that was the very first one I ever listened to. But I started branching out, and you know, I talked the other day about I found some entertainment BS, like listening to you know fantasy dorks talk about the Game of Thrones books. Um, but eventually, I started listening to Joe. And I hesitated for a bit because I was in a place there where his F-bombs bothered me as they bother you. Um, But I kept finding all these fascinating people and these fascinating concepts he brought on, right? And the next thing you know, I discover a guy named Jordan Peterson. You know why they bother me? It's because I already already said him enough. And I was like, I don't need to have this being a constant when I'm trying to not say it. It doesn't help me not say it, for sure. (laughs) It's like the way that he just throws it around in casual like vernacular is still foreign to me because I say it when I'm mad, when I'm really trying to prove a point, shouldn't say wanna, it at all, but I want to, I want to, I want to throw this interjection in. I really sincerely believe that Joe Rogan is on the precipice of turning to Jesus Christ. I really believe that man. That would be incredible. I really believe that he has been open to faith the entire time I've listened to him. Depending on who he's talking to, he's real open. And when he has a hardcore atheist, you know, worldly, whatever, he's very critical of certainly having been raised Catholic by a, apparently an abusive nun in a Catholic school. Um, yeah, obviously, the other things that the Catholic Church and priesthood has done, um, you know, he's always questioned the idea of following any ideology, you know, blindly and stuff. But he has now, ever since he started hunting, his crew by and large, like those, those are conservative people. Many of them are Christian believers. Right. And I've heard him say over the years, things like, you know, it seems to me that religion gives people a purpose. It gives them meaning, right. It gives them discipline. Hmm. Right. And I've heard him acknowledge, especially when he's had some believers on, which he had a guy on in July who had been an atheist, you know, uh, he's like a he's like an astrophysicist, dude. And he is born again and makes one of the most profound arguments for the existence of God that you'll ever hear. My point is, ever since August, when he had on Dave Smith, who I've talked about, a fellow comedian who's one of the leaders of the libertarian movement, who's a brilliant philosopher in his own right. He's Jewish. His wife is a Chris, was from a Christian family. He doesn't really profess Christianity, but he definitely professes a belief in God. They started talking about Satan and demons. And Joe made the point. He had a dude on this summer from Florida that is a python uh, hunter. Oh, like, yeah. For the, for, yeah. Which we follow each other on Instagram. They get, he's a good dude. I've, I've never listened to it because python just... Python Cowboy a, is his Instagram. Python Cowboy. I've never listened to it because it didn't really seem that interesting to me to listen to a guy who hunts pythons and it's one of his shorter episodes. And I find generally if it's below two and a half hours, usually means Joe wasn't really interested in the conversation. And if he wasn't interested, I probably won't be. But sometimes it's just because he ends up with a conflict and he's like, dude, I got to go. And it was actually a good conversation. My point is he mentioned in a later episode with Dave Smith that that dude brought up, which we've talked about, Jack Johnson the godfather of American rocket technology who would go into the Joshua tree wilderness and trip on psychedelics and claim that alien 
otherworldly consciousness was downloading into his brain the knowledge of rocket technology. That's a fact. It's also a fact that his laboratories were full of upside down pentagrams and all kinds of satanic symbolism. And he was a practicing basically pagan. So Joe's like, man, you know, that all sounds like kind of crazy to me and I don't necessarily believe in it, but some of these powerful people who have done some of the worst things in the history of time all seem to believe it. And maybe we should take that seriously. And they got into a whole conversation about the existence of evil spirits. And I was like, that's new. Never heard Joe talk like that before in anything but a mocking way, right? Mm-hmm. I was listening to that episode sitting on a mountain in Arizona trying to find a mule deer in the middle of nowhere, which I was unsuccessful at, as you know. But during that trip, my mule deer hunt, the two men I was with, men from my church, we were talking about the voices in the world that are raising up truth, right? And, and I've said for a long time, I think Jordan Peterson is a prophet of God. And he was so even before he started to acknowledge that he actually might believe in God, which That's he interesting does now. Uh, description because, like, why would prophets just end? They didn't. There's prophets when, today, absolutely, dude. Like when the Bible closes the last chapter. There's totally prophets today. In fact, each one of us is, but the gift of prophecy is available to each one of us. We actually had a sermon on this on Sunday. If you get me off on a separate tangent, I'll never con finish the loop of what I just brought up, but we can totally talk about prophecy. It just means divining the will of God, right? Mm. That's what it means. So that might mean just that you figure something out in scripture that helps you to align yourself better with him going forward, or to give a word to someone who helps them align themselves better with God. And that's the future aspect of it is that they, their life goes in a new trajectory that's the true nature of prophecy. It can also mean predicting the future, right? Most people only understand it as predicting the future, so they dismiss it as anything in reality. But all the prophets of the Old Testament were mostly saying, here's how we're effing up and what's going to happen if we keep continuing this, right? That's what the prophets were doing. Yeah. They were pointing out how their people had gone astray and the calamities that would beset them in the future if they did, but that were also besetting them right then because they had lost it, right? So anyway, we talked about how I think Jordan Peterson went from agnostic at probably worst, but he was preaching scriptural truth and teaching atheists how they could look to scripture for ancient wisdom. He went from that to, he talks all the time about his wife praying the rosary now, and he believes in God. He prays now, right? I've talked about Adam Curry from the No Agenda podcast. That dude was an atheist for 50 years. In the last 24 months, he has taken up Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And now if you go listen to the Glenn Beck episode he did uh, that he was on about three months ago, you'll hear a dude that sounds like he's been preaching the gospel since he was five. I got to go that listen dude's to been, that. That dude's been saved, man. And he has changed. It's amazing. I have said, I think Joe is like a Samson-style prophet. Right? What was Samson? Time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell, but my point is we talked about that and my friend Doug was like, how amazing, what would it, what kind of world impact could it have if Joe, the biggest, the biggest media platform of all time suddenly said, you know, I think Jesus Christ is worth giving a shot, right? Every episode Mm -hmm. since that trip cable that I have listened to, he has talked about Jesus, including just a couple of weeks ago, and I threw this out on the last episode, but I didn't get to pick it back up. He played a song called 
why don't it's called like why don't you li- listen to Jesus? He's got the answers. I think it's I think it goes why don't you try a little Jesus? He's Joe got went from answers. mocking Christianity and all religions to at the very least. And you listen to the shows. I I only listen to the ones where you say listen to this one. But to, at the very least, he is curious about it. Give me but a second. What, why don't what you that try would do for? Well, it would do two things. Number one, oh my gosh, he would draw the ire of the left like never before. You think an anti-vaxxer like Joe makes makes the woke mob nervous? Makes them cringe? Makes them color his skin like make it make him look like he has jaundice or something? You know, uh, when they put him on TV, if he came out as a Christian, the shockwave that would send throughout society. I think I found it. No, that's not. Well, it. there's one prediction that I hope. I got to go back and track it back down. But he played this song a f- couple of weeks ago with a friend of his who actually helped him start the Joe Rogan experience, a comedian who definitely is not a believer. I don't think of any type. And I think the lyrics are, why don't you try a little Jesus? He's got the answers. It's a rock song from the 70s. It's credited as one of the first Christian rock songs. But it talks about, dude. I saw the, it has a music video, doesn't it? I probably. Think I, saw, I think I saw this. I don't know if I saw it on his page, but yeah, I saw. I saw this recently. It had to be because he brought it up. I mean, why else would you see a rock? For sure, song? I'm sure it lit fire. But yeah. my point is, dude, he loved the song. He played the whole thing. Made him play the whole thing, and he's jamming to it. And then he kept making references to it, not just in that episode, but later episodes. Why don't you try? It's real bluesy. It's actually a really cool song, dude. Super bluesy. The dude's lyrics are poetry. They're awesome. They point out things, you know, about drinking and drugs and horn and all this stuff. And he and he does it in this super artful, poetic way that's just like, wow, yeah, that's profound, right? Something is stirring in that man's soul, dude. I mean that. I don't remember how we got off on all that. Other well, than, I mean, he left California, right? And that's right. He moved to Texas. Well. He damn sure knew he was moving to the Bible Belt, right? That's so, the reason why. my point in all that, dude, is I'm not going to go diving into podcasts. Right, but I hope that I hope that comes to certainly. Fruition. We have that, to pray that, that everybody gets saved. Yeah, we have to, to pray that everybody gets saved. But he, regardless, my, my tangent there was all based in the fact that I got into podcasts trying to find elk, and now most of what I I have learned more about the nature of reality. Um, and I don't mean God's creation. I mean the nature of the world we're live, this worldly realm we live in, and the powers that be here, and the the you're, lies you're we're doing being told. This with your life, and I'm trying to figure out who to start on Thursday night football. <laughs> <laughs> more about history, more about philosophy, more about politics, more about the reality of the geopolitical state of things through podcast than I ever did through all of this school I ever went through combined. Um. Anyway, and something. There was a point there. Absolutely. Interesting, I guess, that it all started with that elk hunt. When I look back. Well, and just the phenomenon that podcasts are in twenty twenty three, and have been for the last. I don't even want to say decade. I would say, eh, eight years. Maybe ten. Yep. Maybe a decade is fair. But. You know, it's that double-edged sword technology. It can help you find the answers, 
but can also lead you astray real quick if you don't know what's true or how to find the actual truth. Yeah. They're dangerous. Uh, that's pretty... Oh, a couple other quick points. And I have audio for this, but we don't need to play it. We can just touch on it. Did you know... Why don't you look into Jesus, Larry Norman? That's the guy's name. Why don't you look into Jesus? They look like Led Zeppelin. Uh, maybe. Yeah, no, I saw. The, I remember seeing the video. He, he sings, "Why don't you look into Jesus? He's got the answers." And Joe loves it. So, Carrie Lake is back. Are you aware of that? Uh, somewhat. Yeah, but She's I don't really. Going I'm not to run for Senate. She's running for Senate. Sipping whiskey from a paper cup, you drown your sorrows till you can't stand up. Take a look at what you've done to yourself. Why don't you put the bottle back on the shelf? Yellow fingers from your cigarettes. Your hands are shaking while your body sweats. Why don't you look into Jesus? He's got the answer. There's something about STDs in there, I think. Too. You got gonorrhea on Valentine's Day. Beat the age. I don't know what beat the age means. You're still looking for the perfect lay. You think rock and roll will set you free. Oh, you'll be deaf before you're 33. Shooting junk till you're half insane. Broken needle in your purple vein. Work all night, sleep all day, take you take your money, throw it all away. You say you're going to be a superstar, but you've never hung around enough to find out who you really are. Love that line. Mm. Think back to when you were a child, your soul was free, your heart ran wild. Each day was different and life was a thrill. You knew tomorrow would be better still. Things have changed. You're much older now. If you're unhappy and you don't know how, then why don't you look into Jesus? He's got the answer. Uh, so yeah, I was trying to steer it to Carrie Lake. You were very, you were like, yep. wait, let's let's check out my listen to Jesus song. So anyway, moving on. Carrie Lake, who was had the Arizona governor race stolen from her by a lady that wouldn't even debate her, that also oversaw the election because she was Secretary of State, Sarah Hobbs. Okay, so now her next plan is totally normal Senate. I don't know. Cool. I guess if she will get a well, but uh, kudos to her because. Part of me, if I was her, would just be like, screw this whole thing. Um, I mean, she's a former news anchor. I don't think so, that she she probably especially since she's a Trump alkalite in his um you know, in in his original book, Art of the Deal, he made it clear his belief is that there's no such thing as bad publicity. I think that she knows good and well she's got a gravy train here, but I think she's also a person who believes what she's saying and yeah, more power to her. Um, you know, one half of me thinks like they can't screw her twice, <clears throat> but then again, look what they're doing to Trump. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm worried that she's just going to cost us a Senate seat. I'll say that. No, Who's she running no. against? She's running against the astronaut. So I, I'm not sure which seat's available. She, the, the clip that I watched on her own Instagram page said, you, I need to get signatures to get on the ballot. So apparently she's not even on the ballot yet. Mm -hmm. But she's announced her candidacy. So I don't know how Arizona's uh, election process works as far as senatorial elections, but I hope she wins. Also, only other quick hit I had here for you is uh, that Italy is Italy's become a place that I look to for leadership with this president they have now. They just banned synthetic foods. So while we're over here trying to make fake meat to save the environment, Italy's like, no, screw that. We're not, no fake meat here. Take that, 
Take that S somewhere else. But dude, yeah. Malone Maloney? Is that her name? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's like a, her. Yeah. That's a lady that leads legit for sure. Yeah. Uh did you have any do you have anything? You don't ever have a run sheet, but did you have anything else that you wanted to bring to the table? This one's been pretty long, bro. <laughs> okay. We can probably call it a day. I'm fine to check out here. Um all right. Well, we're always ending on a high. And uh I hope that you're right about Joe. It's encouraging about Adam Curry. Maybe I'll listen to maybe I'll give uh have, have they had some good shows? Or are they always having good shows lately? You haven't said I mean, you need I, to yeah. listen to this one, so I haven't. Uh nothing has been said on No Agenda in a bit that it, one thing about No Agenda Man is like at least for somebody like me, it seems like once you get the big picture mm-hmm. um of what they're laying down, the big revelations become fewer and farther between. Every now and then they still like throw something down. You're like, Oh, I didn't even never want. Wow. You know, but yeah, it starts to get a little bit, you know, yeah. Talking about the same, cause the news keeps talking about the same stuff. Right. And the news well, then, keeps are we the that same show? agendas. Hmm? Are we that same show? Sometimes for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. The media keeps promoting the same BS. The government keeps promoting the same BS. So it's like, you know, it's only so many new tacks you can take on it. Do but... they? I guess they don't. They don't talk about their personal lives as much as we do, which mm-hmm. is why it can become not as much. But it's not like they don't. You know, I mean, monotonous. like they talk about their family a little bit. You know, they're they're it certainly. So they just hit sixteen hundred episodes Sunday, I think. Um, sixteen years, sixteen hundred episodes, and you know, if you're a fan of theirs. It's like you, it's kind of like being a fan of the ticket. You, you know a fair bit about who they are, what their families are, where they come from, where their kids are at, and, you know, how many times Adam Curry's been married, which I think is five. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So they don't maybe get into it in the detail that we do because they have such a, I mean, they have a format, right? They have a, right. they've got a run sheet that is, and, and time marks and you know we have a run sheet every week right here yeah, i know but ours is fluid and we don't have any marks to hit and we don't have a specific thing we have to start at two and a half hours to where we recruit people's money although hey anybody who wants to send us some bring it on yeah um probably two hours and 15 minutes in um yeah if there's one that i think is really valuable i'll certainly let you so know what, so i guess what are you listening to right now i mean i still listen to them i listen to them every time they drop an episode but honestly dude like i'm starting to find what i just described is not just about no agenda all the stuff that i do listen to so the federalist radio hour is one of my podcasts and i kind of pick and choose based on the topic and the guest but i like them the federalist society is obviously the conservative constitutionalists that you know put forth the list of judges that trump selected from right so the federalist is a news outlet <clears throat> um, founded by the guy who married Cindy McCain, uh, John McCain's daughter. Um, but to their credit, leans more. Remember when I uh, I sent that email where I was standing up for uh, Ranella because he was being labeled a green decoy? Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah, I remember. That was the Federalist. Sent them a scathing rebuke and 
maybe I would take that one back now. <laughs> yeah. Um. No comment. I listen to regularly. Um. Hold on. You were talking. I mean, you said last episode Crowder. Is one yeah, I don't I listen to every Crowder. Know. You know, again, like I, I, I comb. You know, there, which. You know, your job is to post the uh, the captions for our our show, and I'm constantly begging you to be a little bit less um, volatile and inflammatory with and them. And who but... wins that argument? The person <laughs> that posts the caption. No, you've you've moderated it quite <laughs> thankfully, quite thankfully for me before. I know, but the but the whole goal of the whole uh, of the title of labeling a show is to make it catchy, where you suck someone in. Right. So it has to but be if it's somewhat, so antagonistic towards, uh, to you know, bad. perhaps like transgender people that on its face, it sounds like transphobic and you have to open the thing to figure out just how nuanced and careful we often are with how we confront these issues, then it creates a little bit of exposure I'm not totally comfortable with. <laughs> uh, so JC, John C. Dvorak from No Agenda has another money podcast with a guy named John Horowitz who runs a uh, investment company out of florida they drop on wednesdays i listen to them that's very much like ours where it's just two dudes having a conversation about investment investing in money but also like politics and global news and uh it's not super formatted and they make lots of jokes and it's funny it's good they started off with 10 minutes this morning about uh horowitz's fishing trip to guatemala he lives in south florida he has his own boat um he's doing well so he's 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 someone you should listen to about investments if he's got his own boat and is taking down to Guatemala. Yeah, and he's not woke. Dark Horse, which is Brett Weinstein, the guy who he and his wife got canceled at that Evergreen College because they said, "I don't want to have to stay home on the the you know on the the the, the day of whatever absence because I'm white." Uh, right. I support the idea that if you are a person of color or minority if you want to stay home to show the impact of your absence uh i support that but you can't tell me i can't come to work and so that you know like basically created a mutiny on only college, on in campus. america a guy who i found out about punish someone for showing up to work right um <laughs> uh, i said the federalist already let's see um i listen to justified pursuit every single episode because i'm a narcissist who likes to hear my own voice now that was worth pointing out <laughs> I upload it and I walk away, wash my hands nice and tidy. I put a little music on the front and back end, but not <clears throat> music that's so popular that iTunes or Spotify will flag it because then they'll take your episode down. There's an outfit called royalties. We just out bootleg outfit, <laughs> outfit called Just the News with a guy named John Solomon. Um, I listen to him. Um, Victor Davis Hansen is closely affiliated to that guy. How can I use the Victor that Davis Hansen show? That's certainly one I listen you to in this show title that's the question for today mofax which is very infrequently dropped and coming to a conclusion but i certainly listen oh they're not listening anymore huh uh no he's gonna hit 100 and drop the mic um there's a that new discourses that's that guy james Lindsay, the guy who did the fake uh woke uh scholarly articles right right who reads straight from all the modern day marxists so you can understand what they're actually thinking writing and teaching that one's important you got to be committed, like way more committed than you this? would. You would never muster. You would never muster the level of commitment necessary to make it through even his 15 minute shorties. No. 
<laughs> let alone when he goes like two hours. Uh, Dave Smith's part of the problem. I listen to him most of the time. Uh, that's the libertarian comedian. Um, he's got a good show. His stuff is important. I'm just doing the math on hours in the day. Uh, I don't listen to every episode of all of these. Whew. You ask what kinds of these are the yeah. this is a, this is a, this is the ones that I would listen to the most often, but not. I a, thought I had a job that required, you know, was very flexible on time. Ixnay. <laughs> Uh, I'd recommend Red Pilled America. You ever heard of Red Pilled America? No, but I like the name. Yeah, so this one's actually really, really cool and also important, I think. Um, The Bayma podcast, which is a Christian podcast about understanding the Bible from, from, uh, you know it, but from Jesus's Jewish roots, uh, taught by a guy who has Jewish roots himself, but is a Christian, I recommend B-E-M-A, the Bayma podcast to everybody. I Getting back to Red Pilled America, and we can just leave it at that. Oh, the drill down I've mentioned, the drill down with Peter Schweister. He's the one that was expo- exposing Clinton and Biden corruption for almost a decade now. Um, back to uh, Red Pilled America. So that's a couple from L.A. Uh, with kind of longstanding ties to the entertainment industry who their philosophy is the left has been winning for decades because they are better at storytelling. And so they consider themselves a storytelling podcast um, intended to counterbalance everything from the left, right? Um, but it's 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 like they, they'll do like a deep dive into the history of uh, wokeism, right? And, and they'll explain where did woke come from? I think the episode's called Woke Inc., but it goes back to that guy who we've talked about, Herbert Marcuse, who came right. over in the 40s from Germany and brainwashed Angela Davis and a whole bunch of other leftists and just how we got where we are. Um, it's very enlightening. By the way, they're convinced that the guy who is the person behind that uh, movie that came out this summer, um, The Sound of Freedom, yeah, is a huckster and that the whole thing was a fraud. Really? Yeah. So they're, they, they don't it, think they call that it, the whole child sex trafficking thing is They're not saying it's not real. They're saying that dude's full of it. Interesting. And if you listen to it, like, for example, the, he was supposed to come on with them. We're both ashamed to admit. Neither one of us have seen the movie. Yeah, I'm not going to watch a show about child sex trafficking anyway. I know that it happens. I don't like it. I pray that it stops, but I don't need to see the movie. But especially after I listen to them. Like, they're able to say on the air, this dude agreed to come on and then bailed on us at the 11th hour. Then their people reached out to us and they bailed again, you know, and tried to, cut, you know, you know, meet us in the middle. And then he bailed again and he bailed again. Like, it's not good. Okay. Let's wrap well, it up. This will be the second time we are wrapping up episode 146 for Chisholm Cook. I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you guys next week. Why don't you check out Jesus? Got the answers. Look into it. Why don't you look into it? You drown your sorrows till you can't stand up. Take a look at what you've done to yourself. Why don't you, you put the bottle back on the shelf? Yellow fingered from your cigarettes. Your hands are shaking while you're.